stop and think. And when you stop and think, be critical and compassionate. So when I say be critical and compassionate, I mean, in every situation, don't go with your first instinct. Question yourself. And by compassionate, try to view the person that you're dealing with in all situations with compassion rather than reacting to their behavior or whatever situation you're in. Microphone check, one, two, what is this? You're now listening to a brand new episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Look what you started. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. I'm your host, Cherie Prince, and we are joined today by Annie Temple, mother, wife, erotic entrepreneur, and author. Annie has a very interesting story for us. It's something different than we've covered before on the Play Big Faster podcast. She has a unique business that she has transformed into a story of triumph, and it is so amazing. Annie, tell us who you are and your current business. Thank you for having me. So I grew up in a small town, and I grew up very poor. My mom was on social assistance. My dad left at a young age and never really contributed. And I grew up with this very struggle type of mindset where I felt like my whole life, I just being poor was normal. All my friends were poor. Everyone I knew was poor and I just grew up poor. And I had a very strong poverty mindset. And I remember going from minimum wage job to minimum wage job until when I was 22 years old, I had a very upsetting experience. It was actually an abortion. And I ran away from my small town to the big city. And I did what I always did in my small town, which was find a job. I could find jobs easily. If I could get a, an interview, I could usually get a job. <laughs> And I found jobs, but none of them were actually making ends meet. In my small town, I had family, I had friends, I could go to my mom's and raid the fridge. But now in this big city, everything was way more expensive and I was struggling and unable to make ends meet. A girlfriend of mine that I'd known from my small town had been working in the adult entertainment industry as an exotic dancer. And she knew that I was very desperate financially, and I hated the job that I had. So she made a suggestion that even if I worked part-time as an exotic dancer, I could make $100 or more a week just working Sundays, for instance, she said. And back then, Sundays was like the one-day-a-week job that you could get as a dancer. Otherwise, it was six days a week, Monday to Saturday. So I... Went a few weeks after I saw her struggling with my position and just like crying at night the night before and then going to work. And I honestly, I was stealing food. I was starving. I had not enough money to live. And I was really depressed after everything I'd been through and feeling very demoralized and ashamed. And just it was just one of the lowest moments of my life. And I decided I'm going to try exotic dancing or stripping. People might know it better as. And I went and I tried exotic dancing. My first night in three and a half hours of work, I made the same amount of money I was making in two weeks at my then 
job as a leather jacket salesperson. So the next morning, I quit my job. And that began a lifetime of working in the adult entertainment industry. I've been in and out of this industry since I was 22 years old. Obviously, I left it to have babies. I left it to go to university. I left it for different positions in the square world, as we call it. <laughs> but I just kept returning to the adult entertainment industry because financially, it enabled me to be able to support myself and my family. And just... It, I just love it. I just enjoy it. It's something that was there for me when I needed it so many times. And it's an industry that has given me so much and I'm grateful. But it wasn't always that way. When I first started dancing, I had come straight out of university, women's studies education classes. And I thought that the sex industry was very degrading towards women and oppressive towards women, because that's what my education had taught me. So when I started doing it, I told myself, I'm doing this because I hate men, and I'm going to take their money. <laughs> and I just, I had such a bad attitude about it. And it was because I was feeling traumatized from what I'd been through. And then what happened is I was going to university at Simon, Simon Fraser University in Burnaby, in Canada. I was taking women's studies classes and I wanted to write my essays about the empowerment that I was feeling as an exotic dancer because we were taught so much about the oppression but that wasn't the actual experience that I was going through. Like my experience in adult entertainment had actually been very empowering and I thought there's a missing voice from this conversation in my feminism classes. And also a lot of the other students were very loud and I would say like angry at people who worked in the sex industry. So I was this quiet, exotic dancer. I never told anyone in my class what my job was. But when it came time to do my essays, I wanted to write about the industry that I felt was empowering me. My first essay I wrote, I looked for sources and it was very difficult to find sources. I couldn't find anything. Back then we didn't have the internet or maybe we did and I didn't have a computer yet, but this was like 1998. And I decided that my sources would have to be other exotic dancers. So I went around to all of my colleagues and I interviewed them and I wrote an essay about how we felt empowered working in the sex industry. And at the end of the class, on the day that we were getting our marks back, my instructor gave everyone their paper except me <laughs> and asked me to come to the front of the class and speak to her afterwards. And I was nervous. I thought, is she going to hold an intervention? <laughs> but she did not hold an intervention. She invited me to uh, her desk and said, I'm sorry, I can't accept this paper because I need you to have sources from previously published works. I couldn't use my own research. I had to use research that had already been done. And I said, my problem with that is I can't find any sources on this. And she said, I've got a book for you. And she pointed out a book called Whores and Other Feminists. 
And I had never heard of this book. Wow. Right? It's a crazy name. And just the name of the book, I was just like, wow. I opened that book. I read it from the first page to the last page. And I realized that everything I was learning in my feminism classes was really just theory. And it was coming from people who hadn't worked in the adult entertainment industry. And hearing the voices of other people who were in the industry and doing it without shame really liberated me. And it allowed me to enjoy my job for the next 25 plus years. So when did you start considering what you do as a business? I felt like it was a job for a long time, just a job. I'd gone from minimum wage job to minimum wage job, and now I was a stripper. And I loved having money. I loved being able to take a week off whenever I wanted, buy a round of drinks for my friends, never had to worry about my groceries or my rent. I loved that. As someone that had never been through that, that was so amazing. I didn't really consider it a career until I got into my 40s, honestly. I had always used the adult entertainment industry as a backup plan because things weren't going very well in whatever other work I was doing. Or later when I became sick and disabled, adult entertainment was work that I could do that I wouldn't get fired from because I worked for myself. But in my mid-40s, I realized that it was an industry that I love and that I keep going back to, and I finally decided to embrace it wholeheartedly embrace it. And that's when I made it into a career. And that's when I started using all of my marketing skills. I was a marketing manager in one of my square, in a couple of my square jobs. And I went to school for public relations and digital marketing type of stuff. So I finally awesomely got to use all of that in my own business. And that was really exciting. And I'm a writer. So I wrote a blog and I built an email list. And that was like, this was just the best job ever. I was doing so much creative stuff and I could afford to spend more time with my children and get them into activities. And I finally embraced it. And I even went face out for a long time. I hid myself in my ads and hid my face. And I started going face out because I was like, I'm not ashamed and I'm not going to stop doing this. And then I ran into a brick wall because my health turned and I found out that I had to get an ileostomy surgery, which is a poop bag on the outside of my body, on my stomach. And I'd finally embraced this career as an adult entertainer, as a sex worker. I'd finally realized this is me. This is where I want to be. And I'm going to write about it and I'm going to embrace it. And then all of a sudden, now my body is going to be disfigured. And I thought there was no way that I would be able to continue to do the work I loved. So I put the surgery off for four years, getting sicker and sicker and having worse and worse problems with my gastrointestinal issues, basically my lower intestine. And when I finally made the decision to get my lower intestine removed, I very tearfully started to say, goodbye to my clients and goodbye to this industry thinking I was going to have to leave it behind. And what shockingly happened is that my community rallied around me and told me, you don't have to leave this industry. Your ileostomy bag doesn't make any difference. We're not going to love you any less. My clients were like, we don't care about your ileostomy or if you have an ileostomy. They said, we understand if 
you don't want to work after, but if you do, let me know. (laughs) And so I just felt so encouraged by that. And I realized that I had really underestimated and not given my clients and the customers of adult entertainers and sex workers the credit that they deserve. And that I had also not realized my own worthiness and that I had put my worthiness on this vain level of what I looked like and what I looked like naked, especially. So it's been an incredible journey. I've had the surgery now and I haven't gone back to work yet. I have been working more on my author speaker business, but it's just very exciting and heartwarming to know that I have that business and that industry to return to. You mentioned that you wrote a book. Tell us about your book. So when I started working as an independent provider, I really wanted to find a book that would tell me how to set up my business and run it. And I looked everywhere and I knew there were a few business books written by sex workers and I devoured those books, but they weren't exactly what I was looking for. And I've been a sex worker activist since I started stripping just a couple years after I started stripping. So for over 25 years, I've been doing sex worker activism. And I had coordinated a project to create a guide called Trade Secrets, which it's basically a guide that compiled expertise from sex workers and adult entertainers across Canada and put it all together to help people when they go online and they're searching for information. So I had a lot of information already in my head from that project and at my fingertips when I went to the website. But I really wanted something that just broke it down how one person did it or how someone did it, how they did it step by step. Instead of just seeing context, I wanted to know specifics. But there was no book like that. So I started to occasionally write about my experiences so that I could share it with someone one day. And before I knew it, I had about half a book if I put it all together into different chapters. And so I laid out what I had in front of me on the screen and I looked at what are the gaps? What am I missing if this was to be a business book for sex workers? And I found a few spots that I thought I should add in this or add in that. And I put the book together and I released it, an early release on Amazon, just so that I could print it and send it to people and get some feedback. So I got some feedback from some sex workers and they thought that it was on the right track and they seemed really excited about it. And then I went to a conference, a sex worker conference, because we do that. We even have conferences. Okay. Tell me about the conferences. (laughs) Where are these conferences held and what is the subject matter? So the conference I went to, now usually the subject matter is about sex worker rights. And you would be amazed to learn how big and strong the sex worker rights movement is. It's huge. And these are people who are very high functioning, very intelligent, and they have their shit together. They amaze me. Like, these are the people that have mentored me. And yeah, so this particular conference was held in Edmonton in Canada, here in Canada, just in March of this year, or March of last year. And we got together to talk about basically just sex worker issues. It was a very interesting combination of workshops. Some of them were about our rights and the laws. Some of them were actually like 
about organizing, but a lot of them were workshops about like how to strip tease, kink and trauma. That was one of the most interesting workshops that I went to where they discussed that a lot of people who seek out kink services do it because of trauma that they've experienced in their lives. So I found that extremely fascinating. These are men and women with expertise that you won't find anywhere else because not only do they have the book expertise and they went to university and they did all that, but now they also have the expertise of working in person with clients. A lot of people I don't think realize the significance of providing these kinds of services to people. I personally am not into kink, so I don't, I can't really speak to kink and trauma or anything like that. But I do know that the majority of clients who come to purchase services in the sex industry are really seeking intimacy. They're seeking it because it's not in their lives for whatever reason. Sure, there's other reasons people seek sex workers and adult entertainers, but for from my experience, the predominant reason is a lack of intimacy in their lives. And I feel like that's so important. And when I see somebody who's starving for it and they they get filled, their love bank gets filled up and then they can walk out your door and into the world and have a better day and a better attitude and feel stronger and more secure. And that's not always the case, of course, because people also internalize the shame around this industry. And that can be a problem for both clients and sex workers, for sure. But when they're not internalizing it and when they can really embrace the benefits of it, that's when it's something really beautiful. Let's talk about that. When you say benefits, what are some of the benefits of it? From whose perspective? Let's talk about both. (laughs) We'll look at it from both perspectives. Okay, so the benefits of the adult entertainment industry, from my perspective, first of all, was financially. We all work for money. Everybody goes to work because they need money. So, uh, you know, when people say you're only doing it for the money, yeah, that's possible. (laughs) But for me, it was more than just the money. When it was dancing, there was the music. I loved dancing. I loved being on stage. I loved the power that I felt over my crowd and having them in the palm of my hand, which I think any performer or entertainer gets gets high off that feeling. So there's that. Then there's the flexibility of having your own job or your own business. And a lot of people who have their own businesses that are successful or that are successful enough understand how that feels. It's amazing to not have to depend on a nine to five job, especially if you're being mistreated there or the money is really pitiful, which as a woman, I have always found every time I went back into the workforce that it was hard to find work at a good wage, especially because I'd been off for years as a pregnant mom or taking care of my children or going to school or for whatever reason. I think it might be easier for men because they don't have babies. They come into their career, they can build their momentum, they can keep going. I think for a lot of women, and that's the feminization of poverty that I learned about in feminism, it's a lot of it has to do with having babies and being out of the workforce and losing that momentum. And then you go back and you're stuck in a minimum wage job again. And it's just, it's so difficult. So the money, the flexibility, being able to spend more time with my children, this most recent time, because I'd been struggling with health issues for 
quite a few years, I felt relieved to be able to put my children in after school activities. And these are things that a lot of people take for granted. For me, that wasn't something we could take for granted. We couldn't go out for a family meal or have a family vacation. And then when that was something we could do because of my work, I was really happy about that. And my children have benefited from it that way. From the client perspective, the benefits are touch. If it's an in-person touch experience that, that they're purchasing, then touch, I think, is a big part of it just hugs, just having someone see you and treat you like you're an attractive person. I think a lot of people who are married can relate to the feeling of not feeling attractive anymore because spouses often will stop telling each other how beautiful they are or how amazing they are and they start to take each other for granted. And people who are single and people with disabilities or health issues or who work too much and never see anyone... I think we're in really short supply of intimacy in this world, especially when now that we're all sitting on the other side of a computer screen rather than meeting in person. And I think that beyond that in-person touch benefit, because a lot of purchasers interact through the internet or they go to strip clubs and they're in situations where touch isn't a part of the interaction. I believe it's just that feeling of being able to flirt and have someone beautiful pay attention to you and someone confident pay attention to you. And that's the other thing about the sex industry, which I love, is that it's not a reflection of popular culture. It might be in some of the strip clubs, not all of them, but for the most part, the adult entertainers run the entire spectrum of color, shape, size, and we're all, we all have the ability to be successful if we believe in ourselves and we see it, view it as a business, and which is why I wrote the book. <laughs> Tell us, Annie, what is next for you? Currently, I am working on a speaking business. I would really love to, I've done a lot of public speaking and I really would love to do more. I want to hire myself out to MC events and perhaps be a public speaker at events and talk about my journey and my story. I have a lot of personal development tools, which I've developed over the years and that I think would really help a lot of people. And that's another thing I've put in my book for erotic entrepreneurs, Annie Temple's business Bible for erotic entrepreneurs. I have a whole chapter on manifesting money, but really it's all about mindset. Don't you think? So yeah, yeah I would really like to help inspire people to do everything they think they can't do. Like I can be an adult entertainer and a nude model and I can still be attractive and beautiful and people will pay to see me naked with an ileostomy. That tells everyone that no matter what flaws they think they might have, they're not flaws. They're just who they are and they can embrace it. It's such an incredible experience for me to have gone from someone who thought I might hate myself with this bag to someone who feels beautiful and feels wanted and desired. If you had one piece of information, not information, but advice, from someone on how to play big faster, what would it be? I would say the most important thing is what I've learned from stoicism, and that is to stop and think. And when you stop and think, be critical and compassionate. 
So when I say be critical and compassionate, I mean, in every situation, don't go with your first instinct. Question yourself. And by compassionate, try to view the person that you're dealing with in all situations with compassion rather than reacting to their behavior or whatever situation you're in. And I found by being critical, stopping and thinking and being critical and being compassionate that I've gotten a lot further in my life than by doing any other thing. So tell us, where can we find the book? It's on Amazon. It's called Annie Temple's Business Bible for Erotic Entrepreneurs. And you can also find it on my website, AnnieTemple.com. Now, is your website the best place to reach you or would you like to give our listeners some of your social handles? Sure. I do have a link tree. And if you go to my link tree, you can find everything. And my link tree is at TNT Annie. Gotcha. Annie, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. And until next time, play big faster. Thanks for listening to this episode. And remember to play big faster. 